0: Well, good morning. It is great to be here uh, this morning uh, just to share God's word, uh, to uh, participate in fellowship and see what the Lord uh, desires to do in and through us as a a body of believers, uh, the local body here uh, at Refuge. Uh, This morning, we're going to continue through our study um, through the Gospel of Mark, uh, but I, was, I just had a few thoughts going into uh, the Gospel of Mark. And that is what we just went over on Wednesday in First Chronicles chapter 11. So in 1 Chronicles chapter 11, we uh, were reminded of King David, David and his mighty men. And I had referenced First Samuel chapter 22, uh, helping us remember his mighty men, and what they were as they came to him and committed themselves to serving under the leadership of King David. In 1 Samuel chapter 22, David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam, and when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, and everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was in bitter soul gathered to him, and he became commander over them, and there were with with him about 400 men. I thought about this because of what we're going through in the Gospel of Mark. And the work that Jesus is doing in the lives of his disciples, specifically Uh, the apostles. The twelve apostles have already been named. They're gathered together. In fact, they were sent out. Uh, We'll be picking up right after they uh, had been sent out, and they had been preaching the gospel. They had been healing people and casting out demons, Uh, and then they came back, and they're reporting everything to Jesus. But you think about the group of men that Jesus surrounded himself with, and you could say they were much like the very men that joined David. They were men who were perhaps in debt, distressed, and bitter in soul. You you think about the church, you think about people, and we need to acknowledge that most people are in debt. Distressed, or bitter in soul. And yet as Christians, as believers, what we need to learn, and this is what Jesus was teaching his disciples, we need to learn, in spite of those things, to stay on mission. You know, that's exactly what David's mighty men did. They weren't focused on, you know, we don't hear David focusing on any one person to try and fix him prior to continuing on in mission. It was in the midst of everyone focusing on the mission at hand that they were ministered to. They were built up and encouraged. They learned how to discipline their thoughts and not allow their circumstances to dictate their actions. Think about that with our own lives. This is the very same thing that's happening today as we are all dealing with something, aren't we? And if we're not, we're going to. Should we not learn how to deal with those situations in a way that brings glory to God? We staying on mission, doing the work. That the Lord has commissioned us to do? Absolutely right. In the midst of trials. And so the title of this morning's message. Is the unusual is usual with Jesus. This is something that we all need to come to grips with. We all need to acknowledge and learn. The unusual is usual. Is normal. With Jesus. So let's turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, and we're going to begin in verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Heavenly Father, as we go into our time of study into these verses found in the Gospel of Mark. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. You would teach us these things that, Lord, as you give us understanding that, that we ourselves would be built up in courage, stirred up to love and good works. Lord, that our relationship with you would deepen. Our love for you would grow. And Lord, we would, even in this moment, as we grow in our understanding, Lord, we are disciplined in our thoughts, in our perspective, in our understanding, in our desire, that our will be aligned with yours. And so, Father, speak to us this morning, I pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we would all agree that Jesus is no ordinary man. He is fully God and fully man. His knowledge and discernment are perfect. His wisdom is without fault. And He is holy and righteous. You know, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin." Colossians chapter 2 verse 9 says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Listen, we all know that we can fully trust Jesus, but to fully trust in man, in any man, is futile in vain it is pointless that is for salvation and yet God entrusted man with the gospel think about that and he expects man to be trustworthy second corinthians chapter 4 verse 7 says but we have this treasure in jars of clay us we people this reason to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And God requires faulty man to learn to be faithful to him and his word and its declaration. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. And in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, it says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word that they speak. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 13 says, Until I come, devote yourselves yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. And you know, just as with Timothy, just as with the disciples, just as with Paul, they had to learn to trust in Jesus. And declare the whole gospel regardless of the circumstances that they found themselves in. But it was a learning process. It was growth. It was sanctification. It was a time of strengthening. And of learning to trust in Jesus Christ. This is exactly what is perfectly exemplified in the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Therefore, as we consider the remainder of Mark chapter 6, let us keep in mind the fact that Jesus had just sent out his apostles, remember two by two, to preach and teach the gospel, a time for ministry and learning to trust each other and Jesus and how to handle opposition to the gospel, the very word of God. To let people know that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand to repent and believe. In the gospel. And now we find them back with Jesus, reporting to him all that took place and was accomplished. But the training under the direction of Jesus, the Son of God, at this point continues. The discipleship of the apostles and the other disciples is ongoing. And so it is with us. They're not done, we're not done. They must come to understand clearly who Jesus is. We need to understand clearly who Jesus is. And know and believe that the unusual is usual with Jesus. Have you figured that out? Have you come to acknowledge that? So that you may expect those things that are beyond what the world can offer. And expect. And instead look to the Lord. And expect the impossible. Because he is to be trusted and followed completely. And know that Jesus alone saves. And he is our Lord. He is our God. It is unusual to feed thousands with one meal, isn't it? It is unusual to walk on water, is it not? And it is unusual to instantly heal the sick. The unusual is usual with Jesus. First, we'll see Jesus provides and satisfies. We'll also see Jesus and understand Jesus is near and ready. And thirdly, Jesus heals and saves. Let's begin by going back to verse 30 and reading through the account of the multiplication of the fish and loaves. Verse 30 says, The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. And he commanded them all uh, to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. So, we begin this section uh, by learning that the disciples had returned from having been sent by Jesus to proclaim that people should repent and believe in Jesus because the kingdom of God is at hand. They had successfully done what they were sent to do. They had cast out many demons, anointed many people, seen them healed, going from town to town, doing so. And when they returned, they were eager to tell Jesus everything that they had accomplished, all that they had done and taught. And Jesus, understanding that they they needed some rest, invited them to go to an unoccupied, unpopulated area to get some rest to a desolate place. Well, something that's just would be practical something that would be necessary is to to get a little rest you see the apostles were ministering to so many people as we see described here that they had little to no time to even eat imagine that have you ever been so busy that you had little to no time to eat maybe at work maybe at home You're just so busy. And this is what Jesus recognized. And so he told them, hey, let's go to a desolate place and go find some rest. So they boarded the boat and went away to a desolate place by themselves. But you see, this was the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. And so between Gennesaret and Bethsaida, it was a short distance, but they chose to go on boat. And from the land, you could basically see the boat. It wasn't too far off. And so the people saw them board the boat, recognized who they were. People from all the surrounding towns heard and were told that they were on boat and going. And the multitudes beat them to their quote-unquote desolate place. Imagine that. Have you ever thought that perhaps you're going to get a little rest and go off by yourself only to realize that there's more to do. <laughs> Some, something's call, someone's calling you and it's, it's time for more work. Well, although as a person gives themselves to the ministry, rest is important and, I, and we know that. We need to also understand that as Jesus understood this, that the apostles themselves were not going away to spend an extended period of time away by themselves. At some point, someone who is serving learns this lesson taught by the Lord that we make the most of the little rest that we do get. We just need a little bit sometimes. Sometimes the rest is known basically between the landings From one place to the next. Second lesson is to have the compassion of the shepherd. The question is, how is it? And this is what we need to take note. This is super important. Because oftentimes we think about God's grace. We think about God's mercy. We think about His compassion. And here we have a great lesson, an illustration of exactly how it is that the Lord... Identifying them and referring to them as sheep without a shepherd. Demonstrated compassion on them. What did he do? He taught them many things. According to the word of God. That's why it's so important to sit under the teaching of the word. That's why it's so important uh, as Tom encouraged us and so did Ray, to read the word. To draw closer to the Lord, to see him for who he is. Jesus saw them as sheep without a shepherd. And he gathered them together as a shepherd would the sheep and made them to lay down and fed them. You know, Jesus himself said, um, you know, that his fulfillment, his satisfaction, his food is to do the will of the Father. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We can be satisfied physically with food, and yet be famished and debilitated spiritually without the word of God. His compassion was not for the physical, but for the spiritual. Spiritual. For the heart of man. And so he sat them down and he taught them many things according to the word of God. Often in this event, we jump straight into the feeding of the 5,000, but we cannot skip this very important point. The point that again, Jesus saw the great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them many things. It's important that we take notice of why Jesus had compassion on the multitudes and what he did. The people were seeking Jesus and the apostles to hear Jesus' teachings and for the sick to get healed and to see people have demons exercised. But mostly, people came to be healed. That's why they brought many people from all the villages, the towns, and the cities to Jesus. But Jesus did not begin with a healing service. Notice that. He began by teaching them many things. You know the very thing that you need more than anything else is to know God be taught many things so that you would come to trust in the Lord, find strength in His Word and understand how to deal with the complexities of life. In the various circumstances that you find yourself in, to gain, to grow in wisdom, God's wisdom, according to the Word of God. You know, our great commission by Jesus is to make disciples. We are called on to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross, and to follow Jesus. But if we don't know how, according to God's Word, then guess what? We won't think we are, but how can you do something you don't know how to do? Right? I mean, we have people that know how to weld here. We know how to we we, we know how to uh, build homes, how to do electrical, and all kinds of stuff. But can you imagine if someone says today I'm going to be an electrician, and yet you have you you haven't read any books? You haven't sat under the instruction of someone uh, and you start messing with wires. Hey, good luck. You just won't know, right? Think about this. Do you know how to follow Jesus? Do you know how to be a disciple of Jesus? Do you know how to please and bring him glory? How do you know? Do you read the instruction book? Do you sit under the leadership of someone who serves as an example of one who is a disciple of Jesus, who is following Jesus? You know, the Apostle Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Come along, let's go, let's do this together. You can't do it alone, and you can't do it without reading the Word of God. You won't know. We won't know how to live for God's glory after knowing salvation in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Well, Jesus was teaching many things. And it was getting late. And His disciples came to Jesus to send the people away so they could get some food in the surrounding towns since they were in a desolate place. They all came to Him. So they understood there's no food here. There's no place to get food or drink. And so for them, I don't know, maybe they were tired or maybe they were filled with compassion. Hey, it's getting late, Jesus, and um, maybe we should send them off to the towns and villages and their homes so that they could get some rest and some food. But you see, Jesus wasn't done with his lessons. Now it was time for them to be taught something and told them, you give them something to eat. Now we know that there were thousands of people that had gathered there to hear Jesus teach. And to see him perform miracles. And so they did the math in their head real quick and said it would take a year. Basically, this is what they were saying. Uh, okay, so it would take a year's worth of wages to feed all of these thousands of people just one meal. Like, okay. I mean, what would you think? What would you think if, you, I mean, what you brought is what an apple? Maybe you had a little something on you, and then Jesus turned around and taught you, uh, told you, "You know all these thousands of people. Go ahead and feed them. You do it. You give them something to eat." It was unthinkable. It was unimaginable. They thought it was impossible. Jesus quickly asked them what they had for food among the people. He told them, "Go and see, go and find out. Go and look. And see for yourselves. And they came back, five loaves and two fish. That's all we have. Five loaves and two fish. Barely enough for one person, maybe two people. That's it. These loaves were not loaves. They were small loaves. And so Jesus had the people sit down. They were orderly. Organized them all in groups of fifties and hundreds. You can imagine them. You see, God is a God of order. It wasn't chaotic. He, he, Jesus, set them up and put them all out. Neatly. And then he grabbed the fish and the loaves of bread. And he looked up to heaven. And blessed the Lord, the Father. And broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. Now, we normally pray, how? Closed eyes, bowed head, right? Jesus didn't do this. And he wasn't asking the Father to bless the food. He was blessing the Father for providing. You know, when we come to the table, whatever it is, whether it be food or anything else, we should be looking up to heaven and blessing the Lord for he is faithful to provide for us everything that we need. The food was dispersed and the people were fed. And they all ate and were satisfied is what we read here. They all ate. They were all satisfied. By the way, it was each individual's responsibility to simply dip their hand in the basket to find bread and fish. They had to do that. You know, for us, I know we do communion a little different. Um, I remember the first time I saw this, it was at reality at Britt Merrick's church in Santa Barbara. And, and I had to look, I thought, you know, that's, I, I love that because it demands you individually, personally, to get up, to get up, come forward. And, and when I, I first saw that they were going to do communion and they had the juice and these bowls, I thought, huh. Do I grab the cracker, take a swig of the juice, and then go back and sit down? What do I do? And so I just, I sat there and kind of just watched, right? And I, and I thought, oh, okay, all right. So not that we would do that. Would you do that? <laughs> Next time we'll do that. We'll just, <laughs> just, just wipe it a little bit. We have some... <laughs> but it requires you to exercise your free will. No one is forcing you to get up out of your seat to come forward and partake of the elements and remember really truly the love of God. How it was that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for the sins that he didn't commit but you did to atone for them completely once and for all. You know, it required faith on behalf of each person who put their hand into the basket to get some fish and to get some bread. They, can you imagine if there were those? Who were like, oh, there's no way Two fish, five loaves. As it comes to me, I mean, the first person took everything in there. No. By the time all was said and done, they all ate, and they were all satisfied. And then it says that 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish were left over. It was just crumbs. That's all there was. Just crumbs. All was eaten. Do you think that the disciples were learning to trust in Jesus? How many times are we going to have to be shown and demonstrated that God is faithful, that God provides over and over and over again? This is the lesson that we need to learn learning that He indeed supplies all that we need, that the unusual is usual with Jesus. You see, Jesus had healed many, including the leper, the the paralytic, the man with a withered hand. As we think back on what we have already learned through the Gospel of Mark, Jesus has calmed the storm, healed a man with a demon, heals a woman with the issue of blood, raises Jairus' daughter from the dead, has taught and been opposed, even by his family, and rejected. But nothing is stopping him. And he is able to do all things. We will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We sung that. We need to live like we believe that. Mark 3.35 says, For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Are they learning that all things are possible with Jesus? Are they learning how and what to ask for? See, when we pray, we, we, as we understand who the Lord is and what His will is, our prayers start changing. We ask Him for strength in the midst of difficulties. We ask Him... For wisdom that we may choose to do things in a manner that brings him glory. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse eight it says, "And God is able to, to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times you may abound in every good work. Matthew chapter six verses 31 through 33 says, "Therefore do not be anxious saying, "What shall we eat?" or what shall we drink or what shall we wear?" For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Psalm chapter 34, verse 10 says, A Young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Philippians chapter four verse nineteen, and my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. This was the Apostle Paul, who, who learned in any state, in every state, to be content with the Lord. Matthew chapter seven verse eleven: If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? And there's an exclamation point. Behind that, not a question. John chapter 15 verse 16 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear much fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Listen, this is a process of sanctification, of being discipled by the Lord himself according to his word. Learn how and what to ask for. Jesus is able. The question for us is, are you asking rightly? Jesus provides and satisfied and Jesus is near and ready. Verse 45 says, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea and he was alone on the land. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Hmm. You know, Jesus is also teaching his disciples something very important. He's always near and ready to help them accomplish his will. Jesus is always near and ready To help them accomplish his will. We see here Jesus telling them to get back in the boat. And go to Bethsaida. While he said he would dismiss the crowd, After he did that they sailed off. And he went up on the mountain to pray. Interesting. Normally what do we do after a, a, a day of work? ministry do we go and pray or do we go and lay down we, we shower up we get some things together get ready for the next day right but what does jesus do he goes off and he and he prays do we prioritize prayer hey listen we can always pray more as much as perhaps you pray we can always pray more and more often Matthew chapter 26, verse 41 says, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is the moment in the, at the time when Jesus had called on Peter and the other disciples to watch and pray. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And yet, time and time again, he came back. And what, what did he find them doing? They weren't praying. They were doing what I said earlier, right? They were arresting. They were, they, had, they were getting a little shut-eye. And Jesus exhorted them. You could say a, a light rebuke and saying, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Hey, listen, we need to discipline the flesh because it will rear its ugly head And try and dominate us. We need to discipline the flesh. We need to choose to do that. Day in and day out. Well, when evening came, Jesus saw that the the disciples weren't making much progress out at sea. They had a tough headwind. Uh, If you've ever been out in the water. And especially... I remember being in the bay in San Diego, but as soon as we would get out of the mouth there by Point Loma, and all of a sudden we get these crosswinds and currents, and if we were, uh, normally we would go out in a small 40-foot Boston whaler, uh, converted into a dive boat, that's what we would use to go out there. And, and if you've ever been out at sea, and you, and you get this, this headwind, it, it looks like you're just crawling, and you are. And this is what Jesus saw. He saw the disciples. He had told them, by the way, to go to Bethsaida. Told them to go. It wasn't because they were not in God's will that they were experiencing this headwind. Oh, this is tiring. Man, and Jesus called us. I wonder if it was that Jesus who told us to do this? Sometimes we get into that mentality, we have that mentality, we have those thoughts. Because it's difficult, because the circumstances are not favorable. We think, ah, this isn't God's open door. On the contrary. On the contrary. And Jesus saw this. And get this, So, so he made his way down the mountain. He started walking across the Sea of Galilee. Right? coming up on them at about 3 a.m. In fact, it says here that he was about to walk by them. He knows they're struggling. They're in the boat. They're going to Bethsaida. And he's just... And that's how it's described. Just He was going to just walk by them. And they saw him walking on the sea... And they thought he was a ghost. And they cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified. No doubt they were tired. And now they're terrified. Tired and terrified. By what they saw. By what they experienced. Remember this headwind. Well, with wind, the sea will become turbulent. And yet the Son of God was walking on the water. The turbulent waters, no big deal. There was another time when Jesus was in the boat with them and they encountered a storm. Remember that? And they were afraid they were going to sink. Uh, They rebuked Jesus for sleeping and not helping them. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and sea, the sea obey him? Mark chapter 4, verses 39 through 41. They were fearful of the storm and drowning. The little boat being capsized, and, and now they're filled with great fear and saying to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? They had already experienced this. This time Jesus didn't calm the wind, but he was walking on the water and they were terrified. Jesus responded to to them by going to them and speaking to them, saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Listen, there are many things that may happen in your life. The unusual is usual with Jesus. Don't be fearful. Know that this is what the Lord is doing. Walk with him in confidence. Jesus then got into the boat with them, and that was when the wind stopped. And in John chapter 6 verse 21, it says that they were immediately on the other side at that moment. Hey, listen, Jesus is always near. His very presence. Although fearfully awesome, he is faithful to help in time of need and an encouragement when times are difficult. When times are difficult, you go to the word. You're encouraged, built up. You're reminded of his faithfulness. Psalm thirty-four, eighteen says, The Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Psalm 119.151 says, But you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. Psalm 145, 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. And so therefore, the disciples, us this morning, we are to learn to, as it says in Hebrews 10.22, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. James 4.8, learning this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You know, that takes confession, that takes repentance. And we need to do that often, daily. After his resurrection and before his ascension, Jesus appeared to him and further taught his disciples for 40 days. And he said to them in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, there's the word, right? Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, this and this, I am with you always to the end of the age. Super important. Teach the word, have compassion on people. Teach them how to Fish. how to be disciples, how to follow the Lord. Teach them what is true. And know this, that God is faithful and He will be with you now and forever. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You're not doing it alone. The disciples had to learn that Jesus is near and ready. And finally, Jesus heals and saves. Verse 53, when they had crossed over, they came to uh, land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment, and as many as touched it were made well. So what the disciples had done is traveled again, as I said earlier, in the northern area of the Sea of Galilee, when we would be able to see the boat as it traveled from one side to the, the other. And so the people saw, they landed in Gennesaret. They were greeted by some people. The number of people quickly grew as word got out, and the people brought the sick to be healed from villages, cities, and the countryside. And everywhere where Jesus went, people were ready to meet him. As I had mentioned earlier, Jesus had been healing, and so had his disciples when he sent them out two by two. We learn that. But again, Jesus is doing the unusual, exercising his power to heal and give authority to showing that he indeed is the Son of God. He has the authority and power to heal, but more importantly, he has the power to save. That is the very truth that Jesus is desiring that everyone would come to acknowledge and receive for themselves. In John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, it says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Mark chapter 2, verse 17 says, And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners." In Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and to live to righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. In Luke 19, 10, For the Son of Man came to seek, and save the lost. This is what Jesus desires. That all would come to know. And confess in order. To know salvation. And an abundant life. Of listen to this. Peace and hope. In Jesus Christ. You see Jesus heals the broken hearted. And he saves the lost. Jesus provides and satisfies. Satisfies, Jesus is near and ready to help in time of need, and Jesus heals and saves. What the world cannot give, Jesus gives. The unusual is usual with Jesus. Are you getting this? Do you believe that? You will live completely, just differently, if you truly understand this, believe it. And then walk it out with great hope, with great anticipation for what's to come. Knowing that God is with us, that Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us. He will be with us even to the end of the age. Are you learning what to live for and ask for, knowing that Jesus provides and is ready to help fulfill his will? He sends us out. We may have headwinds. We may have waves that come over the bow. But rest assured... That if He tells us to go to the other side, He will be with us and He will get us to the other side. There are lessons to be learned. May we be found faithful. Not only to learn those lessons, to grow in being steadfast and immovable and simply trusting in the Lord. Lastly, what do you pray for? Is it in alignment with God's Word? His will? What do you act on? What do you believe Jesus desires and will do? Again, does it align with his word? The Lord is teaching us something this morning, and I pray that we have learned something and then put it to practice. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you did send your son. Lord, he came to die on the cross to pay for our sins in full. And by believing on Jesus Christ. We know salvation. But Lord beyond that. Father you have commanded us. Lord to. Serve you in in such a way Lord. That it brings you honor and glory. Lord help us to express our love for you by knowing your word and then applying it. Lord, and regardless of the circumstances that we're in, the difficulties or trials of life, we know, Lord, that they are serving to uh, grow us, to mature us, that we may learn to trust in you and to know that you are faithful. So thank you for that. Pray, Lord, that you would strengthen your people and that as others who do not know you see your goodness and your kindness, the love that was demonstrated through the sacrifice of the Son, that they would come to surrender their lives to you and that they would begin their journey of walking hand in hand with the Savior and also have the hope of heaven your glory for all eternity in Christ alone, by faith alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.